Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I am speaking with Astara Jane Ashley today. She is a publisher and the CEO of Flower of Life Press. She happens to publish one of my favorite authors, Kathleen McGowan. Kathleen is responsible for a book series that inspired a song of mine called Magdalena. I have a special place in my heart for both of them as a result. I just recently met Astara because I joined Kathleen's Magdalene Mastery community on Patreon, which I highly recommend you check out if you're interested in um, sort of historical Christianity and um, alternate versions of the Christianity that we hear about today that have become the most popular version of it. Kathleen has a very different take on what actually happened. Astara has had a really interesting life, which you'll get to hear. She started off as an art therapist, and that has evolved into what she does now, which she calls midwifing, the books of high-impact feminine leaders. And she really sees this process of helping women tell their stories as a type of therapy and healing and an excavation into their soul and their purpose. It's really sort of a vehicle through which the the healing happens, this writing process. So I really enjoyed listening to, to this, being part of it. We don't have writers and publishers on the podcast all that often, so it's always nice to get some creative variety. Um, if you are a writer and you would like to be on the podcast, please let me know because this is something that I would love to do more of in the future. Mostly we've had um, musicians and lately some visual artists, but um, not a lot of writers. So very cool. Uh, we, we picked a card before. This is the second time this has happened um, in two weeks that uh, my my guest has wanted to pick a card before we started the uh the podcast recording, which I thought was really cool. So the one we picked was for mercy and compassion. So I'll let you hold that intention with us as we delve into this podcast. All right, here we go. Well, welcome, Astara. Thank you so much for saying yes to this. I'm really honored. Thank you, Porter. (laughs) Happy to be here. Yeah. So we were doing a little bit of pre-talk before this. Could you just repeat for people who are now listening? not just me, um, kind of how you got into the publishing world and what your vision was for all that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my first career was as a graphic designer and I became a book designer and I was working on covers and interior designs as well as branding and brand identity. And so I ended up in New York City and that's where I got a lot of my experience designing books and learning about publishing. So I went into corporate after college and after grad school, where I became a therapist. Um, I went into corporate publishing and uh, it was great for a while until it wasn't anymore, because it's quite a dinosaur now in terms of honoring the author's voice. That wasn't happening. And there was so much. I just feel like you glossed over that. That was really interesting, though. Like, did something happen there from graphic designer to therapist? Oh, publisher. (laughs) because you're like and then I was a therapist (laughs) it's funny um I was an art therapist and a uh transpersonal counseling um psychology that's what my graduate degree was in and so that was just all a part of my quest to just know myself I guess in my early years in my 20s I'm 52 now so this was a while ago um but it's it's where I picked up my skill set around um around creating books and honing in on somebody's message, but also the way writing can become a portal and art is a portal into the soul. Mm -hmm. So when I became an art therapist, I uh, was exploring that idea of doing that work, which I did for a while. I had a private practice and I worked with kids and adults and art therapy is, is using fine art and art making as a tool for healing, you know, and um, going above and beyond the Freudian model of psychology, it was about accessing the spiritual part of ourselves. So I was seeking that along with learning about it and how to help other people. 
And so fast forward uh, into my 30s. Now I've got three little girls married and uh, freelancing, taking care of my kids. And we were fighting about money. So I decided to go get a job. And so I got a job in a publishing company um, and worked my way up to being the creative director there. And um, this was about 13, 14 years ago. And that's when everything in my life really flipped because my marriage up until that point was pretty parallel. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of, um, it wasn't, you know, it was just sort of like the default. It wasn't what I, what I wanted. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what I wanted at that point. Right. In terms of how to be in relationships. Yeah. Um, but there I was having done the things that I was supposed to do and had the kids and had the white picket fence and had the career and all of that and went back to work, um, to be contributing financially to my household. And I fell in love with somebody else. Oh, wow. And that was the thing. That was the thing, the catalyst for burning down everything that I had known up until that point, sort of catalyzing my own spiritual awakening to the next level. And um, he was the president of my company and I was the creative director. So it ended up being a big scandal. We got divorced. We left corporate. We started our own company. You said you wanted it all. So here it is. Oh, no, I'm not laughing because of that. It's just so funny because I I went through almost the exact, well, not the exact same thing, but also similar marriage, fell in love. Now I'm in different relationship. It's just funny how. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I now looking back over the course of 30 years, I see it's so obvious to me, you know, sort of why it happened for me and not to me. Yeah. But um, so it did happen for me. And at the time it did not feel like it necessarily because it was really hard and there was a lot of fallout, but what it did was get me onto this fast track of evolution so that I could be, get in tune with my own spiritual nature and then be able to support others in doing that too. Cause that's really what I've been seeking my whole life, even throughout these different careers and pathways. Um, And so, so yeah, so now what I do is I support primarily women, um, a few men here and there, but mostly women who have a story to share and, and the importance of that and the transformation that happens from when you go from the seed of an idea to holding your book in your hands and stepping out and being visible and being fearless and vulnerable all at the same time, mm-hmm. being willing to shine your light and be, and just speak truth, you know, and clear all that shame. That's what I support women to do. And then publishing is part of that elevation for them to take that quantum leap into the next level of who they're going to be in the world, you know, and what know themselves better. I know when, when you were talking about it, you said that you support women who have a story to share it. Mm -hmm. Are you, do you purposefully like not go, I support writers because you're sort of there becoming is that the idea or, or do you also call them, do you call them writers? Well, the they're all writers. Everybody's yeah. a writer. Okay. I it's, just wanted to know really how I just feel about it. Yeah. So okay. in other words, there are people who write for a career and professional writers who come work with us. And then there's also people who just feel like, you know, I've been through on this journey. I have something to share. I have a message and I want to leave a legacy and here's what it is. And they may or may not be entrepreneurial, or they may have healed from trauma, or they may be wanting to create a business to support their work in the world. They're, um, you know, just, just knowing that the, they need to tell their story. And by doing so, they're giving other people permission to do the same. So it's, it's, um, it's not so much skill-based. However, we do teach a lot about how to write. And we help to elevate their everybody's writing so that it's publishable, that it's amazing writing. So that's where my corporate comes in because I have that, those very high professional standards and I know about the industry and the business and want to bring our best work forward as a company and Mm -hmm. promote people whose work is inspiring and is really good. So there's that piece, but also I have writers who don't, I have a writer who's blind. I have a writer who um, doesn't, type, you know, she just speaks and then we take it from there and edit it, speak to text. Wow. 
the text, right? So there's a lot of ways of getting your story out, depending on who you are and how you want to do it. Most of them write their books. Um, I also work with a lot of artists who do a combination of fine arts or some kind of art making along with writing and combining poetry and imagery and photography and all kinds of things into whatever their message or curriculum might be. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. So it all sort of, it all sort of ties together. You found this like beautiful way to do all these things that have inspired you in the past. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. And for a while, you know, when I got onto the priestess path, which was really when I began to learn about energy hmm. and learn about the divine feminine and how women have been suppressed for eons, you know, and our voices have been suppressed. And when I sort of was thrust out of my own little bubble and into the awareness of the collective of oneness consciousness, then I was able to, to see how it all just is in divine order, really, because for me to burn down my life and to rebuild and to, you know, go in and learn about myself and learn about energy and having been a therapist, I did hours and hours and hours of my own therapy, but it wasn't at all getting close to what energy work and this priestessing and archetypal energy yeah. and the divine feminine has brought to me. So I really believe in it as any type of self-expression of creativity as a portal into the soul and, uh, and that it's necessary that we need to create archives. We need to speak, speak up. We need to, to discover what is our story and then share the story of transformation and transmutation so that we can help each other do it. Hmm. That, that is so tricky when I'm thinking about that. Like, I'm like, I would love to write a book. Wait, where was I 20 years? Like mentally, where was I 20 years ago? Like, do, do, do women, do the writers that you work with kind of go through that? Like, is it hard to think the way you thought in order to kind of create this arc of like where I was to where I've come? Well, it definitely, takes, it takes some excavation in a, in a lot of cases um, to be able to really decide what, first of all, what is my topic? What am I going to write about? Which aspect of my journey do I want to focus on? Hmm. And is it a memoir? Is it fiction? Is it something else? Is it poetry, you know, or art? So that's a first decision. People come and they say, I want to write my memoir. And so then it, then there's a process of doing that, of creating this, recreating this heroine's journey that the person's been on. And a lot of that that I can provide is like story pulling, helping to pull the story out and asking the right questions to get it and pull it through, right? Um, but then also there's this period of just not knowing anything where I invite our writers, once I submit an outline or create beats, which is basically like the main plot points of whatever that it is they want to write about, hmm. whether it's fiction or nonfiction, I'm inviting them to give me an outline or beats first, sort of as a roadmap, because then if you get lost in the weeds, you can find your way home again. Um, but the goal is to get lost in the weeds. To just mm. we call it run wild moon child, like just write with no editing and no, don't try not to kick in that left brain. Just keep it as much as possible, just this channeling or emptiness so that you can receive what wants to come through you. And then from there, there's a process of refining and turning it into a first draft manuscript. Gotcha. But that phase of letting yourself run wild with your creativity without being uh, stifled by your own perfectionism or any editing or anything at that first phase is really important. Just like I'm sure, you know, like singing, you know, like yeah. you have to be able to like break outside the boundaries of what it is you're creating in order mm -hmm. to get to the magic. Yeah. 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 Does that happen in, in like a, do you have like an in-depth conversation with the person about what they want to write or like, yeah. Yeah. So we have, um, we have an initial call together where we talk about by this, by the time they've enrolled, we've already had this conversation, um, okay. you know, like, okay, what's, what is it that you want to write about? How much experience do you have? Do you have a writing practice now or not sort of where are you on the pathway yeah. and you can start wherever you are, but that just helps me know where to start with you. Some 
some people, one woman had a manuscript in her drawer for nine years. Oh, wow. That she, so she'd already written it. She'd written parts of it. Okay. You know, so, so we spent some time talking about that. And then she basically started over because it just wasn't resonating anymore. Mm-hmm. But she has been able to pull parts of that and use it in her new manuscript, you know, quotes and things. So it just depends on where you are. And if you don't even know what you're going to write about, then we go through a process of, of distilling that down and just making a decision. Yeah. It was interesting. You, you mentioned like, um, when I asked you about the, the memoir and like how you, how you create that memory yeah. of what it was like to be you so long ago. And you were talking about like, well, you have to choose what you're going to write about. And I'm like, oh, of course you have to, you, you have to make it like, you can't talk about everything that happened. No. Right. <laughs> I say that all the time too. This isn't your warrant piece. doesn't happen. <laughs> this is just maybe your first, or maybe it's your 10th book, you know, cause a lot of people have come and already written and self-published and they've just want to take it to the next level. Um, so yeah. So deciding what is it and what was that turning point? What was that moment? in your life that is really pivotal that you knew something had to change. So we'll go back into pull those stories out from, okay, well, where do you want to start? And how does it feel if you start here in the modern present day, but then go back in time? Or do you want to start at that pivotal moment when you were five and then jump forward in time to tell how it all comes together? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different ways to put it together, but the most important thing first is to just start pulling everything you can remember and, and pulling it out hmm. and writing the stories. Hmm. Not perfectly, no editing, just getting them out of you, like purging everything that's in there first. Right. Giving I'm, yourself space to do that. Yeah, I'm smiling because it it's like, you frame something as art therapy in one part of your life, it seems like, and then you frame something as like writing a book, but they're both kind of the same thing. Oh, yeah, it's all therapy, <laughs> right? <laughs> we just don't call it that. We just call it, you know, presence and evolution and um, the willingness to look at, you know, to work on yourself and to make your life better and bring increase to other people and walk the path of love, right? This is the Magdalene energy that runs through a lot of my work and a lot of my clients and my relationship with Kathleen McGowan Yeah, is the, is the divine feminine and, and the Magdalene energy of, you know, accessing that perseverance, that resilience, that unconditional love, the compassion, the mercy, all of the pieces that we may not have brought back online right. because of trauma or just because of life. Yeah. So those pieces are where we focus because in general, I would say most of us, myself included, are always working on self-love. Hmm. And we yeah. must we have to face all those demons as we're as we're committing to something and then saying, okay, I'm gonna do this thing. Um, am I in integrity? Am I gonna really do it or am I just saying it? Like, what's the truth? What's real? And, Mm. and how am I sabotaging myself? That's what writer's block is. It's just Mm. a way to sort of the fear can just sort of just detract you and distract us from, from doing, going through that process. Cause it's scary. Yeah. That's interesting. I'd never heard writer's block described as that, that, that seems very yeah. 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 It's like, um, I don't know. Nothing's there. It's like subconscious. It's a right. subconscious fear of even seeing what's there. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, or it could be, it could just be, we're too tired. We need more self-care. It, mm-hmm. You know, there's so many ways that writer's block shows up. And in my own life, I procrastinated for a long time. I still have not written my own book and I'm a publisher. Right. So I think, I'm the best example of writer's block. (laughs) I write very well for other people. I write a lot of introductions. I write a lot of prologues and notes from the publisher, but I haven't yet written my own book. Mm -hmm. So that's like, why? Oh, I'm afraid it's going to suck. And then people won't want to work with me, right? So then I'm working with that fear. What is, why am I afraid of that? I have the best team in the world who help everybody else's stories become publishable and amazing. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I allow myself to have that too? Yeah. Right. So it's just this kind of challenge, this internal challenge of, you know, how much am I ready to reveal? 
Why am I doing this? What's my point? And who is my reader? Because it's a relationship with the reader. It's not just a therapeutic exercise. We're actually mm. helping to serve somebody who's going to read it. So we really have to get clear on who is my reader? What is it that I want to share with them? What nuggets do I have? How can I best serve them through this writing? Yeah. And what's my point? You know, it's interesting because it, I, I was just thinking as you were saying that, like, yes, you haven't written your own book. Also, you know, when we're talking about the divine feminine and the way that divine feminine works, right? You have been the midwife for so many of these creations. And so it's not just the masculine. Well, I didn't do that. She wrote it. You know, it's like, we all, we all did this. Yes. So in a sense you have, right? You're right. You're right. <laughs> and thank you for that. Because I realized too, that I have birthed many different stories and some of them are mine and some of them are other people's, but I've been a part of that, right? Like yeah. you said, that midwife midwifing process and, um, yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. I feel like it's an easy thing for me to do. It's actually safe, safer <laughs> to help support other people's stories. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there's always this reflection back, anything that we do in our lives, we can use that as an initiation into our own growth. So every, every project that I'm working on, every book, every idea, every author, it's certainly a co-creation and, and my, it's what really gets me excited about my work. Um, do you feel like talking a little bit about, cause you mentioned Kathleen McGowan. I, I would love yeah. to hear how y'all got in contact and was it before she wrote the Magdalene books or like no, during, after? A couple of years ago, actually. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, well, let's hear about yeah, that. Yeah. So her books had been around and um, I had not read them yet until I went to Egypt in March of 2020. Okay. And right before COVID hit, I went to Egypt with uh, Rima Bonario, a wonderful woman, colleague, and one of my authors. And she runs Sacred Tours to Egypt. So I went with yeah. her to Egypt. And when we came back, she told me about Kathleen's books. So I started reading them. And then about a few months after that, Kathleen and Rima had known each other through Facebook and she saw, Rima saw something where Kathleen was looking for a publisher. She wanted, I believe like a feminine spiritually based publisher. She was not cool with corporate anymore. She was done. Mm. And so Rima introduced us. And when we met each other, we just fell in love with each other and just said, let's do this. No contracts, no nothing. We're trusting each other. We're doing, we're gonna co-create. We're gonna make something happen. And so what I did was I created um, an imprint, a publishing imprint for her called Ashra Press, which is uh, sort of like a, a separate um, uh, arm of my company, Flower of Life Press, in which Kathleen has creative control. She gets to publish what she wants. We're gonna publish her books through her imprint, Ashra Press. But I am deeply involved in supporting all of that and helping manifest whatever it is she wants to do through that portal. So we're, okay. we're partners, we're partners and co-creators. And um, I now, she and I now co-teach Divine Writing Journey, which is my right. nine month long writing course where we help people write their manuscript and, and get published. And, How many uh, months did you say? Nine? nine months, nine months. Yeah. The perfect gestational period. Yeah. So the women who went with you or the people who went with you to France, they're still in process or was this the end? Um, those, that was a separate thing. So it oh, wasn't okay. necessarily part of divine writing journey. It was just a separate writer's retreat. So there were people there who were, who are in our course currently, and then other people as well who aren't. So we were in France hosting a writing retreat just last couple of weeks ago. And uh, it's so special because Kathleen lives there. So she, she's researching and living there for, for so long that we can just drop right in and really get the magic of that, of France, of yeah. the South of France and of Cath, our country. And the people who want to work with us tend to have some kind of connection to this idea of divine feminine leadership or the voice of the feminine in our world. And in fact, many people who find their way to us have left traditional religion and are seekers of 
more Gnostic spirituality, like, mm-hmm. and, um, and also historians, you know, people just interested in history because Kathleen is a historian. So it's, right. it's a fabulous combination of spirit and history and place and self-expression. Yeah. And we get to publish all these amazing stories from these people. So, yeah. yeah. So cool. I feel so blessed to have been aware of Kathleen's Patreon community where we just get to listen to her talk about all this stuff. It's yes. like, oh, oh my know. gosh, is this real? Her stories yeah. are amazing. Yeah. You true. go on tour with her. She runs tours to Egypt and France and the Holy City and uh, Scotland. So when you, if, if anybody goes on tour with her, you'll see what it's like. She's just 110% there with you, uh, leading you through all of these ex- beautiful spiritual experiences and, um, and then sharing hilarious stories and having amazing food and great wine. And, you know, it's just, it's a really, really neat way to, to research. A lot of people will go on tour with her also so that they can research for their books. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I actually grew up in the South of France, but like eat more East of Cathar country, I think, but I, I mean, this was when I read her book, everything was new to me. I mean, like literally everything. I had no idea that there was stuff like that going on in France. Wow. Um, Yeah. It was so, so it's it's really cool for that reason for me too. It's like, it gives me a perspective of what was going on there. Yeah. Now, how did you come back to the States then from France? Well, I, I was, my, my parents wanted, well, my dad really wanted to be in France. When I was done with high school, I was like, see you later. I am done with this. Um, So I never moved back. I've been back a lot, but I haven't ever lived there since. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to. I, I imagine. I imagine I will end up there at the end of my life at some point. I, I feel like that's where I want to be ultimately. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's really beautiful. The food is amazing. The life is amazing. There's there's like I mean, with what you do, for example, like I always talk to my mom about this. You know, she's like, if I could live anywhere, I would be back in France. And I'm like, yeah, but you wouldn't have been able really to be an entrepreneur. You know, it's you don't have the same. Like there, there are trade-offs for sure about. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely yeah, quality can... of life, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. So what has like, what was it, was the information in her books new to you when you read them or was this like stuff you had been kind of immersed in? Prior to well, I had been, you know, I had not, I, I am an anointing priestess. I've done some work with, um, I've worked with a th- 13 moon mystery school for about eight years. And that's really embodying the different faces of the goddess and learning about energy. What was that called? Order. Sorry. Uh, the 13 moon mystery school, 13 moon mystery school. I have never heard of that. <laughs> that's, founded, that's founded by Ariel Spilsbury. And my teacher there is Elaine Dowdy, a British woman. And so I have um, been exposed to the Magdalene Mysteries and that work through that temple and also through Diana Dubrow's work with anointing and the Rosa Mystica Mystery School. So that one is purely Magdalene focused. And I've been a part of that temple for a few years. So I've I was exposed to the to it prior to meeting Kathleen, um, but I wasn't really devoted or dedicated to this particular archetype mm. of Mary Magdalene as I am now. And when I was I was raised Episcopalian, and there was no feminine in the church ever, and I never felt um, connected. I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. It didn't resonate for me. So. Then I went to a Buddhist graduate college and I, you know, I just have been like a. I went to a Buddhist graduate college. <laughs> where, where was that? That's called um, Naropa and it's in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, what is, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. So I'd had experience to different lineages and different um, 
spiritualities and different and understood a little bit about different religions, but I, uh, I guess I'm just a mishmash of a lot of things now. And, um, and so the work with the Magdalene has really felt like it's brought me home to my roots. It's allowed me to understand my, my lineage and feel connected. My mother's Scottish a hundred percent. So I'm, so I'm more than 50% Scottish. Right. And so I have these connections to Europe. All of my DNA is European and Mm. So after I came home from France, I did my, um, my DNA to, because now I really am, I'm feeling really connected and rooted into France and this particular lineage. And because it's part of my personal lineage, I'm really interested in learning more about what's real about that for me. Mm-hmm. And I so, had that same, that same idea the other day too, actually, because of, maybe it was yesterday, actually, after the call, I was like, I wonder what my lineage is. Yeah, 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 because it just helps you feel like you belong. I mean, Mm -hmm. it for me, it just really has allowed me to sort of connect even with my ancestors, my own grandparents, both my grandfathers died before I was born. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so to be able to and my grand one of my grandmothers too. So to be able to go back and begin to connect with my roots with my ancestors with the land where my people came from the DNA that is of me is that. Mm-hmm. So, so it's opened that up a lot. And I'm luckily I'm going to England in July for a week to go on tour with Kalila Elaine Dowdy and, um, and go to the chalice well and do some deep Magdalene ceremonial work. Well, so tell me about that. I, I don't, I don't know anything about that. Oh, well, it's uh it's a, it's like a, a week, 10 day, um, pilgrimage to Glastonbury. Oh, okay. And uh, Glastonbury supposedly in England is um, the ethereal place of Avalon. Oh, So there's okay. a lot of like the chat, the, um, the Holy Grail and a lot of the Arthurian legends and a lot of the Magdalene mysteries are connected there because there's some stories about Magdalene and, and Yeshua being in England being there okay so I don't really know yet because I haven't done this kind of tour before so I'm really excited to go and learn more about the stones and the you know the the place itself and and the site wow that sounds really cool yeah (laughs) you said you just got you just got back from a trip do you do you travel a lot I do and um luckily I've been in community with people who happen to run tours. I mean, so I, I would have never thought I would ever go to Egypt. I'm from Minnesota. I'm a girl from Minnesota, you know, and that just wasn't ever really on my radar until it was. And so I didn't do a lot of travel as a younger person. So now in my fifties, forties and fifties, it's been, I've been able to do that and tie it into my work. That's so neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I also have a daughter still at home who's in, in high school still. Two of them are in college, but, but Bella's still here. And so I need to be here for her. And so I'm backing, I've backed off a little bit since COVID and mm. all of that to give myself that time with her in her last year. Do you, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to ask about that. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're oh, yes. About- do, you bring, do you bring her? I was, I was wondering that actually. Um, you know, or any of your daughters, do they have interest in it yet? Happened yet? They haven't really been, been that interested actually yeah. when they get a little bit older, maybe. Yeah. But they're just in there. They're doing their thing. They're doing their lives. And I've, I've made the invitation and I haven't gotten a yes yet. So I'll just keep <laughs> doing it and, um, and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. People are people are always asking me, like, so your your boys must love having a singer for a mother. And I'm like, not really. <laughs> They're not big fans. Yeah. It's it's yeah. but yeah, yeah, definitely keep inviting and we'll mm-hmm. see. <laughs> mm-hmm. At some point, at some point they'll get it. I think they're just still, I think back to myself in my 20s and teens and 20s and I was not interested in hanging out with my parents at all. So I kind of get it. I really get it. Yeah. 
even though it's hard, it's really hard sometimes, but. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that period yet. That seems like a little heartbreaking. Yeah, it's, it definitely is. Yeah, it's like the, it's just another phase though. I don't think it's forever. Kind of right. like the terrible twos, the terrible teens. <laughs> or, you know, luckily I've had it really easy with my kids. They're just, I haven't had any issues, yeah. you know? So it's been a real gift. That's not cool. have to not have to add like other those kinds of issues onto my plate. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. I mean, I, I was talking to somebody the other day too. She she claimed she was like, "Girls are so easy." I'm like, "That's a, that's a cool perspective." My parents yeah. would have said the exact opposite. They thought having the son was easy and the daughter was hard. But I guess it kind of depends what your preferred parenting style is. Maybe like if you're really good at emotions, maybe that's easier for you? Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't say I was at the one that was good with emotions at all, <laughs> not until the past maybe 10 years. And it's, yeah. they're already, they've already been through that really vital time between, you know, age zero and seven. And I was not awake yet when they were little. So there's this, there's always this feeling of like, oh, if only I knew then what I know now, but it just, it's all perfect. It, at some point we just have to surrender and just trust that like, this is what life is. We just take the next yeah. step the best we can with where we are until we learn something else and take that next step. You know, yeah. that's all we can do. Yeah. Be willing to keep taking that next step. And, you know, my husband and I were talking about this the other day. It seems like I was reading a book and, and they said in the book that life is loss. And I thought about that for a while. Yeah, life is loss. And if we don't cut ourselves off from that part of life, then maybe we can embrace it more and find more balance. Hmm. But on the other hand, we don't want to be focused on the negative and always like in that lower vibration of loss. So, so then I just reversed it and thought loss is life. Hmm. Yeah. Loss is life. And, and so life is life and it is what it is. And it's like humans are always searching to relieve themselves of loss or pain and suffering, but, but it is life. And so why do we think it's not going to be around? And yeah. so then it's just a matter of like, what, how do I choose to be in that moment and respond and allow myself to feel it, but also witness and transmute that energy as much as quickly as possible. I remember my first experience of somebody dying in my life and I was in my teens. And I just remember thinking like, wow, you guys like, don't know how to do this. Like, this is really, you know, <laughs> like you assume adults know how to do things well, but we don't have like beautiful rituals or ceremonies or like in other yeah. cultures, they have a way of like, I mean, with everything really, it's like you kill for food, you say a prayer, mm -hmm. you, you know, there's like a, a, what's yeah. the, the word? There's like, um, a sacredness yeah. about yeah, these exactly. rites of passage yeah. yeah. that we, yeah, it's true. It's true. And, um, I think that's the other piece about the Magdalene that's been really great for me is to, is to realize that she was a death doula, that she mm. was stewarding herself through the loss of her beloved and going out there and working with people and ministering and being, you know, creating homeless shelters and, and being willing to be with it yeah. and not running away from it. And so I just think it's such a, an important thing, especially with COVID, how it's like in our face now and every, everything about our relationship with death has changed and keeps changing. And so I feel like this work with the divine feminine and the Magdalene in, in particular is really helpful to, you know, to just find that depth of presence in our life that we can let all of that be okay. Mm -hmm. Let all of it be okay. I just got the ping that I needed to ask you about these mystery schools. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. would, would you tell, would you tell me something about them that first of all, are you allowed to talk about them at Liberty? Or are there parts of it that are not supposed to be spoken about or? Um, no, it's, you know, and you can find more information at priestesspresence.com. That's the temple 
the Priestess Presence Temple that's run by Elaine Kalila Dowdy. Oh. And it's based on the work from the 13 Moon Mystery School by Ariel Spillsbury. And it's basically the framework of it is the 13 faces of the goddess and, and working within those archetypes, learning about the energy and about the examples and the color frequencies and the totems and all kinds of all the aspects of the energy of each of each goddess face of the goddess so for instance great mother is one of them and so in in all different religions there's generally a great mother archetype you know mm. whether it's mother mary or whether it's isis mm. or somebody else that um there's there's examples of her in the world like living and archetypally and she represents rooting down connection with the earth connection with nature the womb of creation the getting in touch with our creatrix with our um our own relationship to our mothers to ourselves as mother to the, the feminine face of god basically great mother um another example would be the goddess of compassion so this could be yeah so that's hard the card you pulled, right? And exactly. And, and that's, she embodies compassion and forgiveness and uh, great mother is all about unconditional love. Goddess of compassion is all about mercy and compassion. And then you have the priestess, right? Who's, who's the uh, attuner of energy. She resonates and helps to resonate the field and keep the field coherent, whatever she's doing. So she can be very fluid in the moment and, you know, hold center in the midst of chaos uh, but her so there's light and shadow qualities about all these archetypes too so for instance the priestess the light quality would be like really being in touch with your intuition maybe your psychic capacities your ability to know and and feel and see and many healers are embodying this energy but the shadow might be perfectionism depression Hmm. Um, so there's, you're always looking to find that balance because it's all there. And so we're like basically expanding our capacity to feel everything and get in touch with our feelings again, because we've been so cut off from the body, from the body as our temple, from the earth as our temple. Um, so those are just a few examples of different faces of the goddess that we work with and learn about and practice being embodied with that energy um, in order to you know, find new ways of being in the world and to walk that path of love and to choose love over fear and to know how to, um, how to transmute energy. What does the practice look like? Is it like a prayer, a dance, like what? How, is it a reading? Like what, what do oh, you, all kinds of stuff. It's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But it's basically temple is a sacred space where we can go kind of like going into church or going into nature mm -hmm. where you can go and get in touch with your soul. So it's beyond just the everyday life experience and, and, and going into a deeper a place where you can get more vulnerable, where you can be connected to your spiritual self, your higher self, and with like-minded people and in sisterhood in this community, uh, learning how to be with women in a new way because we've been so um, so wired by the patriarchy to be competing and, and in comparison with each other, and mm -hmm. and so it's really it's unlearning a lot of that and learning how to be intuitive how to be softer how to be less aggressive and fighty you know learning about boundaries learning about um honesty you know learning about how to express what's true how to let yourself rewire all of those conditioned beliefs that i'm not good enough i'm unworthy you know all of the stuff that's been imprinted for so long what's wrong with me? Like feeling there's something that needs to be fixed. Hmm. So it's a way of going in and it's through, you know, embodied teachings, it's through readings, it's through prayer, it's through sharing, through community, through honoring the um, Celtic wheel of the year, for example, like honoring the different phases of the seasons and- Oh, I don't honoring. know about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's all kinds of, um, is that like a calendar? It's basically like the, yeah, calendar. yeah. It's like, yeah. Like different practices from ancient, um, people that you can learn about that, that are very helpful in this day and age when we're so, uh, brainwashed by our screens and nobody knows what's real and there's so much confusion and mass media and war and all of this stuff going on. So it's really just a haven. It's a place to kind of go home and feel at home no matter what. Yeah. Is so that's there, what it feels like for me. Is there like a philosophy about kind of like the evolution of the ages sort of? Cause a lot of what you're talking about sounds well, a little bit like Hinduism, for example. And I know that they have like the different ages where like right now we're in this like sped up sort of dark time. Um, you, you know, not anything that I'm really in tune with, like through the, through the, there's many different lineages inside of this, these temples too. Gotcha. So it's not just one type of person it's open to and diverse. Mm. So everybody comes from a different place, but the common denominator is community, love, sisterhood, healing, um, uh, sovereignty, finding your voice, finding your purpose, being of use in the world. Mm. That's what I would say is a common denominator for everybody. That's cool. And, you, and many people will come and not even really know what it is, but just want to be there anyway. <laughs> How did they find out about it? Um, you know, just like anything else, it's, there's just all kinds of stuff out there on the internet. And so if you just look up, you know, priestesspresence.com, you can learn about that. There's all kinds of temples and organizations and communities mm -hmm. and ways of being in sisterhood that I, that have really served me. Yeah. Um, I worked with a lot of different teachers from a lot of different lineages. And so I guess it's kind of like a tapestry being a tapestry of a bunch of different threads and then building relationships. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's like, it's absolutely divine feminine, right? It's like, not just exactly. one thing. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I get it. Okay. I love Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. yeah. So thanks for asking about that. Um, so that's that's what priest. That's how I've learned about priestessing and what that means to me. And when I started to call myself a priestess, for a long time I wasn't really sure what what it even meant, or do people think I'm going to be like a Satan worshiper or something, you know? And I was afraid. Oh, this is going to really mess with my brand. People won't know who I am or want to work with me. But when I came out with it and just decided I'm a publisher for women who've had spiritual awakenings, so, you know midwife of the divine feminine that's when my business started to really flourish because I was in alignment now all the pieces of me are allowed to have a voice in my company and and I have to model that for all my authors yeah. so I had to take that leap and risk being judged but that's one of the biggest parts of the work in temple for me has been to learn how to not judge myself anymore and therefore not judge anybody else. Yeah. So it's a, it's like this container of non-judgment, which is why it's such a safe place for people to go and do the work. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about something my previous guest had said about like, there's like a space that's made exactly for you that you fit perfectly into, right? We are always trying to fit into the space that's not made for us. Yeah, know? yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah, it's like we have to carve our own space out. It may not yeah. be there waiting for us. We yeah. have to carve it out. And I think that's part of the potency of these times right now. Like you were saying, we're in like in this dark period, you know, and yeah, we certainly are. And there's a lot of times when I get really anxious that like we're going out as a species, as a planet. And then I have to kind of reel myself back in and remember and get present. Oh, look at the beauty in that flower. Look at the beauty mm -hmm. in our conversation. Look at, look at the beauty of the fact that I have electricity right now and can be on the screen with you. And we've never met in person, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, just finding ways to keep, you know, keep ourselves vibrant, vital and helpful and 
calm in the midst of chaos really is what it is what it comes down to like regulating our nervous system there's a lot of this yeah good i can't believe that we just talked for an hour <laughs> I, was like, I was like at some point i'm gonna have to ask her to to give us her links and stuff oh my gosh it's <laughs> that flew by um yeah you do you want to share with everybody how they can get in contact with you if they want to yeah, come sure. your writing retreats or anything like that oh sure yeah so you can check out um our website which is floweroflifepress.com you can also if you're interested in writing you can um you can opt in to get a free uh, training that I created called Your Writing Roadmap. Um, the three phases of writing a bestseller that leaves your audience raving. And in order to get that, all you have to do is apply to our Divine Writing Journey program, but there's no obligation to join. You just have to go into divinewritingjourney.com and fill out a two question application. And when you do that, then I'll send you the training into your, e into your inbox. Um, but that just helps us it's the two very simple questions like do you have a writing practice right now or not and what's your vision as a writer so those two questions will help me get you the right information and um see if i can serve you in whatever way cool i'm gonna put both of those in the podcast description notes so people can click on those okay um, do you have anything you want to share before we go or do you feel complete Oh, thank you, Porter. No, I feel great. I really appreciate this time together and um, and you're asking me to be here and I'm happy to, to support you and your work. Thank you. Yes, well, I'm very grateful that you decided to show up and I uh, will see you on the calls because um, I will definitely continue to be part of the Kathleen McGowan Patreon hey. community as it evolves. Um, yeah. Yeah, have a great day and thank you all Porter. for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. If you enjoyed the podcast, please remember to rate it and subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Also, if you go to portersinger.com now, you will find that I have new events, including a monthly chant night on the first Wednesday of every month. You can drop in or choose to subscribe, which means that you get that plus a month's worth of my somatic sound practice, body cello, for just $20 a month. So please check that out. I am creating a little self-healing sound community over there, and I would love to have you be part of it. All right, see you in the next episode.